How to pray for the people around you. How to pray for the people you love. How to pray for your pastor. How to pray for the staff. How to pray for the church. Because I think, do you ever just go, I just want to pray, oh God, bless the world. Bless me. Bless my kids. Uh, blah, 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 bless, bless, bless. And that's not necessarily bad. At least you're on the right track. But sometimes our prayers can be pretty shallow or same, same. And that's sometimes, I believe, where we begin to realize that, you know, it's probably not a really exciting and strong prayer life. So I want us to learn and to grow in our prayer vocabulary and to pray on the basis of how the Bible kind of shows us how to pray. When I was pioneering a church in the valley many, many years ago, I, uh, I come across this guy and um, it, he was interesting. He's one of those people that uh, he, he was an alcoholic, and he, he drank way, 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 way too much. But he knew the Bible. What was interesting, the, the, the more that we would talk, the more he would drink, the more he knew the Bible. And, and I'm not saying like, you know, oh, oh. no, he did. It was funny because when he golfed, he was the same way. The more he drank, uh, the, the better golf he played. And, uh, but I, it was just a, a person that I wanted to minister to and share life with and help him move into the things of God. But it was interesting because I'd be telling a story or sharing a principle or talking from the word and guess what he would do? He'd just go, oh, 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 let, me, let me finish that story for you. Let me tell you about what the Bible says. And he'd be able to tell me. He'd quote the verses. Uh, but uh, there were some things lacking. And I'll come back to that in just a minute of why that's important. But I want you to look at Colossians because... I, I just want us to learn how to grow as people who pray. We become more intentional. We become more focused in how we pray. So if you would, pick it up in Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. Paul's writing to this church. And part of his introduction is he's saying, listen, I'm praying for you. And this is how I'm praying. And this is going to become a template. This is how I'm praying for people this year. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, and he's talking about this church, this group of people now that kind of like us that are connecting with Jesus Christ. And he says, you know what, since I heard about what was going on, we have not stopped praying for you. Now this is what his prayer is. Notice the things that he prays for. Pray that God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. And through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See those two points kind of as prayer bookends. When you want to pray for yourself, when you want to pray for people around you, those are two great bookends to start with. The knowledge of God's will and for spiritual wisdom and understanding. Because when you do that, I love this because then this is what begins to happen. 
And we pray this in order that because we pray this, now these things can happen, that you'll live a life worthy of the Lord, that you would please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. That's a prayer. And that you'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Why? Well, because he qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. He's given us the things that he's given Christ. The blessings, the spiritual blessings and benefits that we can experience because of our life in Jesus. He says, for Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We're fellow partakers. We're brothers and sisters in the life of Christ. Why? Because he loves that son and that son loves you and you and you and you and me. And in whom we have redemption. We've been bought back. And we get to experience forgiveness, new life and the forgiveness of sins. Now whether you're dealing with a spiritual giant or someone that doesn't know the Lord or someone that's far from God, this is a great prayer to study. And I want to just give you some overview so that you begin to say, this is how I want to pray for me. This is how I want you to pray for the people around you that you love, the people that you work with. And begin to see God work in their hearts and in their lives. Now, this whole thing, it says, know the, know the Lord, knowledge of the Lord's will. And I could do a whole thing on this, and I'm going to down the road because a lot of people want to know, what is God's will? What's God's will for my life? I can give you six things, and I'll do that in a couple of few weeks. But the, the Bible has some specific things that are God's will. It says, it is the will of God that you be saved, come to Jesus Christ. And then it talks about his commands, and he says, you know, don't do this, do that. That's also his will. But then we kind of want to know, well, what about this? What about that? What about these areas? Listen, if you do these things, and you, what I'm talking about today, you will begin to experience the will of God at greater depth and dimension and understanding. Because when you come to prayer, Paul is saying here, the focus isn't that, I, that, I, I, that God has to listen to me and that I tell him what I want. This is God, this is what you want, and this is what I am praying for the people around me. This is the knowledge of your will for people around you. Now, it's interesting because this word knowledge here comes from the Greek word gnosko. And it's a person that has the facts and the data. They have thoughts on what to do. They know the stuff. They know the, the points. They can give you specific answers and give you a truckload of information. And oftentimes, they'll give you a formula. It's not bad. But the reason that this is important is because it's not one-sided. Just become a knowledgeable person. But it's become... That's one of the bookends that will hold these other things together. Because if you focus simply on knowledge, a lot of people get the right answers, but they don't have the right heart. They got it in their head, but it's not in their heart. And that's ultimately the 18-inch point that it has to move to. Remember my friend that was an alcoholic? See, he had all the knowledge. But it wasn't touching his heart and his life to change. It never touched him where it needed to go to. See, that's what knowledge does. That's why Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 8, he says that knowledge puffs up. 
but love builds up. But now hear me, knowledge is important because if you don't get the knowledge of God, then it's going to be hard to know his will and to move to the second point, which is the wisdom and understanding. Now the wisdom and understanding part, the other side of the bookend, is, is really conceptual. And the idea here, as Paul is saying, is there's people with knowledge and you've got to get that, that's important, and make sure that it's balanced with wisdom and understanding. See, the one person, the knowledge person, you know what they'll do? They'll give you all the answers. They'll tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, why to do it. But people of wisdom and understanding, they don't just have the answers. They have a life experience based on their knowledge. They're not just so black and white that they don't understand that life has you know, has change and has, has these things that take place and there's not always a stock pat answer for everything. And they've learned how to apply. Wise people have learned how to apply the knowledge. Now, this past week I was entering into just a minor pity party and uh, trying to figure out just some things. Trying to work through them and what I was going to do and how I was going to do and some decisions that I've got to make. And got a call from a friend and I just said, you know, this is, I'm go thanks for calling. I, I just want to run some stuff by you. And this person just says, you know, I hear what you're saying and I think you know this, but let me just tell you, if you do this, then this, this and this and these things are probably going to happen or take place. But you know, Terry, if you go do this over here, you do this, this, and this, and this, uh, this, this is what's going to happen. But, but if you go this road, you make this decision, this is probably what's ultimately going to happen too. Uh, but, but then he said to me, but ultimately this is what I trust you're going to do and this is what I challenge you to do. You go talk to the Lord about it because you've got to make the decision. You know what I loved about that person? is they didn't tell me what to do. They didn't download all their Bible stuff on me. They just simply spoke with wisdom and understanding, knowing that I did it. I have options, and I've got to make the decision ultimately and stand before God and hear Him about the decisions that I've got to make, the directions that I've got to go, the places I've got to lead. See, wise people, people of wisdom, will seldom tell you what to do unless they're going to protect you from sin or from serious damage that could come to your life. See, people of wisdom and understanding will speak to you, not on the basis of knowledge, but knowledge and wisdom, because they want you to be able to apply what you know and your beliefs so that it begins to change your behavior. See, this is what the church does. A lot of times we just preach and preach and preach away, and we change people's behavior but we don't see people change from the inside out. And see, that's what God always comes to do. See, churches get really in trouble when they focus on just behavioral modification. And that's what most churches do because it's the easiest thing. Okay, well, if I'm not supposed to do this, that, or the other, I won't do it anymore. But we do it because we want to look good in front of people instead of because Jesus is doing a deeper work in us. That's what we're praying for, is that this is a year of transformation. Now this prayer, when you pray this way with knowledge of God and his will 
and spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's four things that are going to happen that Paul talks about here. And these are the things that I, I encourage you to be, these six things as one unit to begin to pray for. See, the first thing he says, you'll be pleasing the Lord constantly. If you're praying for, God, for God's knowledge, the knowledge of God and his will, and you're praying for spiritual wisdom and understanding, and you're doing those things and pray for and believe this is going to be worked out, that you'll be pleasing to the Lord. Question. Would you say right now that the Lord and the people around you would say that your life is pleasing the Lord? We can all pretty much, you know, evaluate that and say, yeah, I am or no. I know that there's things that are not calibrated and, and that the Holy Spirit is working on those areas. Are you, ple are you really pleasing the Lord with what way you're living and what you're doing, the decisions you're making, the things going on, on the inside? Have you ever noticed how little things become displeasing when you're around somebody for a while? I mean, like, you know, you've been around me now for a few years, some of you, and you know some of the things I do that displease you and... Well, I know some of the things you do that displease me. And it's, but that's, that's life. And we work through them and we love one another. But the question is, is are we really pleasing? My wife has never, I've told you this before, my wife has never nagged me a day in her life, in my life together. I, I am really blessed. Now, but one day, as close as she ever came was a few years ago. And guys, track with me because this will probably be kind of familiar. I, I, I was in the, bag, in the living, uh, living, I was in the kitchen doing some stuff, and, and I walked out, and she walked in after me, and all of a sudden I heard this, <sighs> this big, you know the sigh? You, you, guys, you know the sigh? And I hadn't heard it before. And all of a sudden she, I, I walk in there, I go, honey, what's wrong? And she goes, every time you come into the, kitchen for as long as we've been married she has these throw rugs down there she goes those throw rugs always get wadded up you always leave a drawer open an inch or a cupboard open an inch and it's nothing's ever closed oh all our marriage yeah well how come you never told me before well she didn't and I said well gee honey I'm really sorry and so now, the, my, to, to this day, when I go in the kitchen, I'm making sure I pick up my feet and try and remember to close all of the doors. Because see what, she finally gave me the knowledge, and then I had to do the application to say, wise man who does what wife wants, you know? <laughs> and so now, I work really hard. Every time I go into the kitchen, drawers closed, cupboards, rug nice. You know why? I just want to please her. I just want to please her. And I think, you know what, when I think about the Lord, we can please the Lord by being people who simply grow in his knowledge and we become sensitive to applying what he wants in our lives to do what he asks us to do when he asks us to do it. This week I was challenged with this thought as I'm just kind of in the process of making a lot of decisions in a lot of different areas. This thought came to me. If your personal satisfaction is the priority of your life, then you will sacrifice the next generation. Do you get that? If the, if the priority of, if the priority of my life, if the priority of your life is personal satisfaction, 
then you'll sacrifice the next generation. You know, because what that means is you'll be living for you and you won't think about anybody else and how everybody else has to get to where they want to go based on God's course and plan. And it struck me. Because I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to sacrifice the next generation that God wants to raise up and use, whether it's my boys, whether it's in this church, whether it's generations of ministry. And... Well, because I want to please the Lord. And if I'm focused on fulfilling myself, I'll never be able to please Him because I'll be focused on pleasing me. But you see, the people that please the Lord are always looking to take care of and watch over and to help those that are around them. In this last year, and you've heard me mention it a couple of times in vague terms, but I've dealt with more people who said they're willing to take shortcuts because their focus isn't pleasing the Lord, but their focus is pleasing themselves. And listen, loved ones, I say this with incredible pastoral love. I've seen more carnage, more devastation, and more brokenness because people decide to do that. It might not be in the first week. It might not be in the first year. It might not be in the first decade. But I've been around long enough. If you don't set yourself to please the Lord, if you don't pray for the people around you to please the Lord because they know and are growing in what he wants and what he desires, you'll, just, you'll, you'll be there to pick up the pieces. There'll be body bags. I can't tell you enough as a pastor. Choose to please the Lord, not yourself. And, and Paul goes on in the same verse. And he says, not only do you want to be pleasing to the Lord and pray for that, but you want to be producing fruit. He says, when you pray for these things, you'll also begin to produce fruit. Did you know that there's three kinds of fruit in the scripture? Romans 6 talks about the fruit of conduct. Once we come to Jesus Christ and he begins to remove the sin, our conduct begins to change. Romans chapter 1 and John 15 talks about the fruit of ministry. That as we walk with Jesus, stay connected to the vine, Jesus, there's an outflowing of ministry to the people around us. And then in, in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That all of those things begin to be part of the outworking of who we are and our life. See, when you move in the knowledge and the wisdom of God, you'll be producing fruit. And it'll come because why? Well, you're walking with Jesus and wanting to please him. See this kind of progression? You'll change. I believe that we should all be producing fruit, changing, looking different, looking more like Jesus. This is what I find out. And, and there's people that will say, oh, pastor, we need more sermons on holiness and sin. And, and you know, probably we do. But I also know this, that sometimes those can be such a focal point that that's what we talk about all the time. And so why? Well, that's what people do. And then pretty soon, what do we get into? Again, behavior modification instead of heart transformation. Because you'll know what not to do. Because they always talk about it. Now, let me kind of give you an addendum. This is what I think about sin. I think it's bad. I think it's all of us are sinners and it all has to be dealt with through the person of Jesus Christ. But I've also learned this over the years that people that always want to focus on sin, 
I think that's a little skewed because when you focus on what's going wrong instead of what Jesus wants to do, what's right in you, you can kind of get off base a little bit. Think with me. Have you ever heard of Jimmy Swaggart? Have you ever heard of Ted Haggard? And, and I don't put these people down. I'm just giving you an example. You know what? The very things that they always preached against and stood up and became their cause are the very areas that they fell in. Remember the guys that were going to stone the woman caught in adultery? Yeah. You know, they probably visited her or somebody else before, but they're ready to stone her. See, that's the problem. When that becomes the focus, two things will happen. If it's all about knowledge, you'll become kind of a religious, rigid person. And that's what we see in the Bible with the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees always talk down people. Oftentimes, people that are always talking about sin and pointing it out to other people, oftentimes it might, might be because of stuff going on in their life. Be careful. See, we want to produce fruit. We want to become more like Jesus. We don't want to set up a behavioral cold. And that's how you need to pray for people. That the fruit of their life ever increasing and growing because they're pleasing Jesus. And then he goes on to say in verse 11 that he wants us to progress in our knowledge continually. Uh, my theology is pretty simple. See, I believe that everything that goes on here, this idea of progressing in knowledge continually, it means kind of this continual growth in God, understanding what he has for you. See, sometimes we forget that this whole 70, 80, 90 years that we get here is simply a dress rehearsal for eternity. Read Luke 19 and Matthew 25. What we do here is preparing us for what God has for us there. If you're faithful with a little here, you'll be faithful with there. If you're faithful with much here, you'll be faithful with much there. Those tests, those trials, those difficulties that every one of us go through are to have a shaping element upon us well, so that we're looking more like Jesus so that when we get there, he says, you know what? Oh, Bobby. You know, I told him not to do this. And he didn't do it. When everybody else was doing it, Bobby didn't do it. And so, you know what? I can trust him to be faithful with what I give him up here. And see, loved ones, Jesus is preparing each one of us for what he's prepared for you. Here and there. And never forget that. And when you pray for people, pray for them with eternity in mind. That they would live out the things that God has for them now and then. I don't know about you, but sometimes the toughest part for me, see the Lord says, this is black, this is white. This is north, this is west, this is south, this is east. I don't have a problem with that. The Lord doesn't confuse me much anymore. I mean, I pray, you know, he says, I know. This is the issue. Oh, will I do it? Go north. Well, Lord, <laughs> south is looking a lot better right now. And see, ultimately, if I'm praying and believing for me and for other people that the knowledge and wisdom and a revelation of God would come to their lives, I will begin to make better decisions. And when we do that, guess what? 
Verse 11 says you'll become a person of perseverance. Listen to this. This sounds really Bible-like. Um, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. I love that. How many of you have that experience? Where you just go, whoa. You know, most of us were kind of like, oh my gosh, another week. This is tough, isn't it? Isn't that how most of us are living? See, that's really how this is written. See, people think, wow, I made it through the week. I'm just a shining picture of God's goodness. And, oh, I made it through again. I gritted my teeth. No. But Paul is talking here about stressful times. Difficult things that you and I face. And he says, if you want to be a person of perseverance, if you want to be a person who can endure and get through these things, first of all, pray for the knowledge of God and his will. And that you would have spiritual understanding to be able to apply all that you know to the situations. Because this is what's going to happen to you. First of all, you're going to face tough situations and circumstances, aren't we? That's what the word endurance means there. It's hupomenomai. And it simply, it's not the idea where you simply bow your head and let the, the tide of circumstances come over you. The word there deals specifically with things and circumstances in your life that every one of us face. But he says it's the ability to turn those things into positive expressions in your life. That you stand against them and you end up triumphing in the end. You may not be able to stop them, but you can endure through them. How many are doing that? In these stressful, difficult times, you endure and you joyfully give thanks to the Father. Can I tell you something? You won't be able to do that if you're not growing in the knowledge of His will and applying the wisdom of His life. You know what you'll do? You'll begin to complain. You'll begin to bellyache and end up like me having a pity party. And then he uses the next word where he talks about not only that you would have endurance, but that you would be patient. This is the one I don't like. Because this is the one that has to do with people. Be patient. Because there are people that are going to say stupid things and do stupid things. I didn't say they were stupid. I just said they'll say and do those things. And he says, if you're going to be a patient person that's able to joyfully get through this, the idea is you won't get embittered by them, you won't be taken down through them, and you won't be upset over them. You will learn to work through them. So why? Well, so you can stand strong and you can joyfully give thanks to the Father. How many could use a prayer like that? How many of you know people that could use a prayer like that? See, this is what we do, loved ones. We focus on the, we, we focus on the, the fruit instead of focusing on the root of prayer. What do I mean? Well, see, we focus on the things that are going on in people's lives. Lord, just release Bill from being an alcoholic. No. 
You know what? The, you know what Bill needed? He needed a revelation of Jesus Christ to have a knowledge of Him that was spiritually spiritually applicable to His life, so God could bring change and freedom to Him and do what? Redeem Him, transfer Him from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Now, there's a lot of stuff in between there I don't want to go into as far as alcoholism, but that's where it starts. It isn't just knowing something, it's knowing it and then beginning to apply it. We pray for our kids. We pray for their rebelliousness. No, that is the fruit. The root is they need a revelation of Jesus Christ. They need to have an understanding of who he is so they will begin to be pleasing to him. You see how we need to change our prayers? Let's look at the big picture. Let's see a big God who can do big things in lives instead of just, oh, would you just release them from the bondages of this? Well, that's important. But what if we pray, God, sick them. Get them. Show them. Reveal yourself to them. And bring a bunch of people that will do that. Not preach at them, but they'll begin to see Jesus and the power of his life. See, that's when I think people will begin to get set free. And they won't just have a knowledge about God, but they'll have this understanding of who God is. I'd love to say I did great this week in this area, but I'm not really sure that I did. But I'll tell you something, I think I'm getting better. Because I'm understanding what it really means to persevere. It doesn't mean just to clap in the good times. It means in the tough times you go, thanks, Lord, I'm going to learn because I've got you. And ultimately, you have redeemed me, brought me back from where I was to where I am. And can I just tell you something? He's, done, he's doing the same thing for each and every one of you here if you walk with him. And some of us have got to get a little bit of spine, a little bit of spiritual spine, and understand that God's at work in us through everything, not just the good. Amen? This is what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray. For, I'm going to ask you to take out your, your program, or if you don't have a program, take out a connections, uh, uh, a prayer card. Now, now, hear me. Don't start yet. Let me finish. I know there's visitors here today. There's guests. And I'm already tweaking you and pushing you probably beyond some of the limits that a first-timer should ever have to do at church. But at least you'll be ready for us from here on out if you come back. Because this is important stuff. I don't want to just have a nice little club where people come and cheer. I want us to have a place where we interact. But today we're going to pray for one another. This is what I'm going to ask you to do as soon as I'm done talking. Take your connection slip and just write your prayer request there. If you don't have a program, there's prayer cards there. But I want you to write it down. And then you're going to share at your table. So make sure that you share something. You know, don't, I mean, uh, listen, most of the people at Creekside you can trust. I don't know if any of you can't. But, um, I, I, you know, it could happen. So I don't want to be called a liar. But most of the Creeksiders that I know are great people. And you can be very open and honest and vulnerable. So whatever you write... I'm going to ask you to share. And then you do that 30 seconds max. 30 seconds to write, 30 seconds you'll go around your table to share. And then I'm going to ask someone to boldly, boldly,
boldly say, give a 35, 45 second prayer over your table people. Okay? Now, so two things. Don't fight over who gets to pray and don't wait 10 minutes for someone to pray. Just someone courageously, boldly say, you know something? I'm not really good at this praying thing, but I'll sure do it for us. And volunteer. And after everyone has shared their prayer request, written it and shared it, then pray for your table. And I'm going to come back and pray for everybody. Okay? Maybe some of you need to pray for yourself for the knowledge and wisdom of God. Maybe it's for somebody else. But would you go take a minute now and let's pray together. I don't know about you, but there's something about just hearing people praying or the, the kind of the rumblings of prayer that just makes, there's a dynamic to it. And uh, I trust that today you would have come and experienced church a little bit more than simply gone and attended. I'm going to invite you if you would. I just want to, I'm going to, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing two songs and we're going to be dismissed. But I want you just to bow your heads with me and, and uh, so, so there's... I'm just aware of today that it's possible there's new people here, visitors, people that have been here forever. But maybe you've never experienced this life in Jesus Christ where you feel like you've really, you know, you've tried to change behavior, resolutions, or goals, but you're really not sure that he's changing your heart. And maybe it's because you've never invited him in to be the director, the God, the Lord, the Savior, the leader of your life. And I just want to lovingly, graciously challenge you today. It's a very simple invitation that simply says, Jesus, I am a sinner and I just need your forgiveness, but I want to embrace your life so that I can become a person who grows in the knowledge of God and the wisdom of spiritual life. And if you've never done that, um, I want to encourage you to do that today. Just simply say, as we stand here now, Jesus, I invite you in. A couple people did a last service. And then on your way out, stop at the guest services table and pick up a book. And uh, just tell that person, say, I made that decision today. And they'll give you a little help to move you forward. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. It's called Hosanna. The word Hosanna means Hosanna. It means save, salvation. God saves. He's still doing that today. But we have to, it's like a gift. We have to receive it. And I want to encourage you to do that because everything I've talked about today, prayer and all those things, are simply a religious exercise without the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you need to rededicate today. Take a moment to say, Jesus, I'm back. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. Maybe note it on your slip just so we can be praying for you this week. I'm going back to the start.